continue in that subject this morning. And uh, uh, I'm going to start by reading um, Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, you may be familiar with this story. It's this, it's this time when Jesus takes his disciples away to this place of Caesarea Philippi. And he asks them, he says, who do you... Who are people saying that I am? And they say, some say you're, you know, one of the prophets of old. But, you know, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon speaks up and he says, you're Christ, the son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood. You did not you did not understand this in your own self, but the spirit of God allowed you to be able to understand this. Right. And he says, and I give you the name Peter, right? And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What you, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then we're going to look and see what happens next. Like this is a profound moment for Peter, right? This is when he gets his name. This is when he's told that, you know, he will be used and he will be able to be loose and bind things on heaven and earth, right? And then we're going to look at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but instead the things of men. You want to see a shift happen. Here is Peter, and he's like told, you get to bind on earth, and it'll be bound in heaven, and loose on earth, and be loosed in heaven. And then in the next moment, essentially, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. I mean, that's a pretty big contrast. Would you agree? What was the thing behind this major contrast that happened in Peter? He went from one moment being able to see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, enabled by the Spirit, as Jesus said, and in the next moment being told he's a stumbling block. Why? Because Jesus said, you have in mind the things of man instead the things of God. Am I guilty of that? I know that I I, I am. I've had plenty of times in my life where... I find myself just so caught up in the way things are in the world and what's the logical, what's the most, what's, what needs to happen next. And we need to move this thing along and we need to make this thing happen. And yet somehow not finding time to even pray about the very thing that's in front of me. It's, it, it, it is not coincidence. We didn't plan this out. But one of the greatest hindrances to our spiritual life is hurriedness. Harvest and I didn't plan that out when she got up and, and said what Lucas said about, about being in a hurry, that we need to slow down. That One of the greatest hindrances to our spiritual life is hurriedness. And when the world is moving at such a pace that we don't have time to pray, friends, we just stepped into being stumbling blocks. Because we're so wrapped up in our minds being fixed on the things of man rather than on the things of God. You with me? So this morning we're continuing to look at prayer. And trying to discover this opportunity that we have in this life of prayer. I'm going to read a story to you this morning. But before I do so, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this man that the story is uh, is written about. His name is George Mueller. He uh, he's known as George Mueller from Bristol. And he is famous for uh, being a man of faith and prayer. 
and for starting an orphanage. So he was born uh, in 1805 in, in Germany and felt led to go to to England as a missionary where he became a pastor. And while he was a pastor walking around this, this town of Bristol, he saw all these orphans and the Lord started to move on his heart and, and move him toward opening an orphanage. But he had no money, had no resources what, what, whatsoever himself. So he said, Lord, let me just pray and you provide a building and you provide staff and you provide the provisions with, through prayer alone that the world may see you move. Not because I go and solicit money. I will not. He did not. This is what he's known for. He did not make. He did not not make his needs and the needs of the orphanage known to people. He simply prayed. Amazing, amazing man. I'm going to begin by by reading a story about Mueller. This is uh, after he had. Um, had built this orphanage and he began traveling around parts of the world. And as he was traveling around around the world, he uh, he this is on one of his trips to America. He was on a ship and I'll just begin reading Norman Harrison in his book. His his in a life of prayer tells how Charles Ingalls, while making a voyage to America a number of years ago, uh, learned from the devout and godly captain of an experience which he had had uh, had. But recently with George Mueller of Bristol. It seems that they had encountered a very dense fog because of it. The captain had remained in the bridge continuously for 24 hours. When Mr. Mueller came to him and said, Captain, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. When informed that it was impossible, he replied, Very well. If your ship will not take me, God will find a way. God will find some other way. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. The captain continues the story. And thus, I looked at the man of God and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could that man have come from? I never heard of such a thing as this Mr. Mueller. I said, do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied. My eye is on the, is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance in my life. He knelt down and prayed one of those simple prayers, and when he had finished, I was going to pray. But he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. Firstly, he said, because you do not believe, God will. And secondly, I believe God has, and there is no need whatsoever uh, for you to pray about it. I looked up at him. George Mueller said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with, him, with the king. Get up and open the door, and you will find that the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was indeed gone. George Mueller was in Quebec Saturday afternoon for his engagement. Now, have you ever experienced a George Mueller moment? Maybe you needed to be somewhere and you missed an appointment. Maybe you were stuck in traffic. Maybe you were at the airport and your flight got canceled. You ever been had a flight get canceled? What do you do when you hear, okay, the flight's being postponed or canceled? What's the first thing we do? Pick up the phone and start making arrangements for what now I have to do to plan out the rest of my day and tell these people I'm going to be late and don't come to the airport and pick me up because the flight's been canceled. And so we immediately go about in a hurried pace, in a hurried manner, saying that this thing is now, you know, in the works and this thing can't happen. Friends, let me tell you, when we're so hurried 
to get about our business that we don't have time to pray, then we're not about the right business. We're not about the right business. George Mueller said, look, I don't know what the deal is. I just know in 57 years I've never missed an appointment. So if this ship won't take me, then the Lord will find another way. Will you come join me in prayer and let's see what the Lord has? Now, I don't know what George Mueller had in mind, but I found it interesting as I thought about this story that, you know, George Mueller could have prayed this prayer in his own cabin with nobody else to know the story. But instead, he went and found the captain who'd been on the bridge for 24 hours. And it's the it's not the captain telling the story that I just read. It's a mate on the ship that the captain told him the story. Do You see a little bit of difference in what might have happened if George Mueller had just been in his prayer room alone. They could have been like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you prayed in the fog lifted, right? But the fact that this is not just the captain, this is a friend of the captain that is retelling the story, sees that God has a plan not just to move and to, to make appointments for us that we need to see happen, that he has ordained. He wants to move and see a testimony come from these appointments that raises and grows people's faith. That was the very heart behind why Mueller started the orphanages. And why he consistently invested his time and his life into prayer, petitioning the Lord to provide all of the needs that were needed for the orphanage. Without asking a soul or out, without making a need known. He just prayed. How many of those stories do you and I have to tell? Or do we go about our lives oh so busy that we never even stop to ponder what is at hand in the kingdom? How many captains and how many friends of captains have missed out on having an experience of faith shared with them? Because we don't stop to pray. Friends, God is a powerful, mighty God who loves to move, who loves to make a way for his people who are called by his name. They will come before him. And petition heaven to move on their behalf so that God can receive all the glory. He loves that. He wants to do that. But are we so busy that we find our prayer life left aside for the moments right before we go to bed or the the moment right before we ask the Lord to bless the food? Or let our prayer life be about the moment that we have in church rather than every hour, Harvest said, encountering the gospel. There are two main things that, that Mueller said to this captain that I want us to, to, to kind of hear and kind of build off of this morning. The first is uh, when he said to the captain, he put his shoulder on him and says, you don't, I don't, I don't, you don't need to pray. You don't need to pray because, first of all, you don't believe that God will. And secondly, I believe that God already has. That they'd opened the window in the moment they'd have seen that the fog had lifted. That something happened in Mueller's spirit that he knew that the fog just lifted. And it's interesting to me that the captain is not some heathen pagan. He's a devout and, and godly man, as the story goes on to tell. So which person do you more identify with in the story? The captain, the devout and godly man who looked at George Mueller and thought that he was a lunatic left, left out of a, an asylum. What in the world is this that's going on? Or do you identify and have, as your experience in your prayer life, a story like Mueller's? That all the world could look at and hear and see and say, wow, 
Atheists would say, oh, wow, what a coincidence, right? Those of any faith would say, only God can do such a thing. This is just one of thousands of stories that George Mueller went around the world to tell. He said he traveled over 200,000 miles. This is before airplanes were even around. 200,000 miles telling his stories and raising people's faith by what God was doing and how God was moving simply because he came to the Lord in prayer. You know, I, I truly believe that there is a, that what we find ourselves doing in these negative situations, if we're not careful, is we find ourselves in the place of the captain. And even in all of our logic and all of our busyness, you know, the captain had been on the bridge for 24 hours straight. He was doing all that he could to steer this ship clear in a fog and try to make some level of headway. But he could not open up the, the throttle and move and make headway to Quebec in the time needed to get Mr. Mueller there. How many of us are like the captain? We're busy even moving into sleeplessness with the task at hand, but so busy that we can't even take the time to go into the chart room to pray. How often are we like the captain was when he saw Mr. Mueller and we immediately step into a mode of pessimism? I truly believe pessimism in and of itself is a... It, the, the root behind it is this spiritual thing that has nothing to do with the life in God. Pessimism looks at the thing and just immediately announces the negative thing that is going to happen or that will take place based on the circumstances and events of how a thing is directed. And you look at it and say it's going to be negative. And where is the faith in pessimism? Where is God allowed to come in the form of pessimism? Pessimism will never put out the welcome mat to Jesus Christ in your life. Let pessimism, let negative thoughts, let negative expectations of something that is turning negative into your life. And you will not find Jesus moving. I'm letting that settle a minute. That ought to become a telltale light in each of our lives as an opportunity to say, Lord, I sense a negative thing. I'm concerned. I'm worried about where this is going. And how often in a worrisome situation do we immediately act with more busyness and worry and we bring that to the table than we do prayer? You see, our efforts to come solve this problem and this circumstance immediately bring us to this table and this plate before us of worry and busyness instead of this table of prayer. So, friends, if we're going to move into the life that God's called us to, then we have to be able to move into the reality that we have to slow down and we have to pursue God's will. We need to be on a witch hunt. If you're a Christian, you should we should be living on a witch hunt for all the opportunities that would otherwise be missed if we did not pray into them and see God move and declare his kingdom here on earth. Jesus says, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We should be living on a, on a witch hunt, recognizing the ways and the impossible things that God wants to do simply because his people prayed to their father in heaven, filled with his spirit, discerning his will and praying this thing that was impossible in the world's eyes to become a reality before them so that God can be glorified. That's what God wants to do with every person in this room this week. He wants to move in some way in your life as you petition him to take an improbable, impossible thing. Become possible and a reality with a story to tell for people to look at and say, wow. That sounds like a miracle. And God loves, friends, to do miracles with his children. As we looked at last week in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, ask, seek and knock, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Now, what is happening in each of those things? A person is coming with a request and God himself is answering in a positive way. Ask, seek, ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. Those are positive outcomes. Of asking, seeking, and knocking, right? God wants to move. He said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? When we look at that passage, are we asking the Lord to give us his spirit? Are we asking the Lord to to have his spirit lead our life and make aware the impossible things that he wants to do so that his story can be told. It's not about me. It's not about George Mueller. It's not about Steve. It's not about Lori. It's about God telling his story through you because you became a vessel before him and said, what do you want to do? What, what impossible things before me that you want to move in? Who is it that you lead, that you want me to encounter this week and just encourage them to trust you with the circumstance in their life? I think most of us find ourselves being the devout Christians that the captain was instead of the humble men of God that George Mueller was. And that story is good news for you and me today. Because if you're breathing, if you're in here, you are then your story's not done. Then there can be a turning point for you and a stepping stone for you in your life in prayer. Apart from growing in a life of prayer, you will not grow in your spiritual life to be the vessel that God wants you to be. You know, one of the greatest joys that we'll ever experience in life is is witnessing a hope fulfilled. Witnessing a hope fulfilled. Now, you may think immediately, big hopes, okay, a hope fulfilled. My son's graduating for college. You know, a hope fulfilled. Um, I got this promotion. A hope fulfilled in that I was in the airport, and it looked like my flight was going to get canceled. And all of a sudden, everything was back up and running miraculously. Imagine the the small little joy moments that you get to witness and you get to encounter as God moves in amazing ways simply because this thing that you were hoping for got fulfilled before you. And the only difference in before when it wasn't going to happen and now this impossible thing is going to happen is that you prayed and you watched God move. God loves to do that. 
The stories of his saints are filled with those testimonies. Are you going to be a saint that has those stories told about you? Because I believe that God wants to do that in your life. And if you hear this message so far being about condemnation, it's not about condemnation. It's about an opportunity and an invitation to be able to see what prayer can be. That it doesn't just have to be it. What you've experienced it to be thus far. It's not just about the bedtime prayers. It's not just about the panic moments when you need God to step in and do something. It's about learning how to walk with God throughout the day. This is what Mueller said. He says, I live in a spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, when I lie down, when I rise up, and the answers are always coming. Thousands and ten thousands of times have my prayers been answered. When once I am persuaded that a thing is right... And for the glory of God, I go on praying until it, until the answer comes. George Mueller never gives up. When he's convinced that this is right and of the will of God, he prays until it happens. And his testimony is I've seen tens of thousands of prayers answered. Healthy bar. Healthy opportunity for you and I to hear from one man's life and one man's story. And to see the opportunity that we can have with God. As Jesus began to teach his disciples to pray, he said, our father, do you know what's behind that word, those two words? I mean, we could do a sermon series on just our father of what took place in order for Jesus to be able to say to his disciples, when you pray, pray our father, because they couldn't pray our father simply in the way that things were before. Now that he has come and he is sending the Holy Spirit, that spirit will come rest within you, as we see in Romans eight, and he will give the spirit within you that cries out of a father. That through Jesus Christ and all that Jesus Christ has done. For you and I, we can receive the spirit, the spirit of sonship that allows us to be able to come to God as our father. I'm not going to unpack that further, but like I said, we could do a sermon series alone on the on, on our role as children, our roles as sons, as daughters in the kingdom that was never possible before Jesus fully came. It was never possible before Pentecost where he sends his spirit into us for us to be able to cry out in that way. tell another story that of a, of a gentleman by the name of Reese Howells. Reese was a man who, who, who learned to pray. There's a book uh, by Norman Grubb called Intercessor about Reese Howells' life. And one of the stories in, in Reese Howells' life is he learned to pray. He started out where you and I may be or, or even further behind where we may be in our prayer life. But he grew to be a man of God who, like Mueller, Learned not to just make his request known. There were times clearly when he didn't make his request known to people. Instead, he simply prayed and trusted God with provision. He and his wife were called to go to Africa as missionaries. And they got all their things together. They packed up and they had friends going to send them off. And he had no money to be able to buy a train ticket to get out of the city to get, make it to London. And from London to make it to Africa. But he told no one of his, of his lack of money to be able to buy Plane of, a, of a train ticket and he went they packed up and they went to the train station early one morning a group of friends came with them and he's sitting on the bench and he's praying he's like lord what am i to do i can't buy a plane ticket and this is just this retelling in my head and it's like the holy spirit just said go and what would you do if you had money well i'd go stand in line to buy a ticket we'll go stand in line 
And he says there were about 12 people in line to buy tickets. And the whole time that I was standing in line, I heard the the enemy just whispering to me and mocking me and telling me how many times have I preached about Moses standing before the the sea that was departed with the Egyptians coming at at my back. And what are you going to do? You're going to look like a fool when you step up and you have no money. And he said, when it came, when I was the next person away from from payment to purchase my ticket, a man came up to me. And said, I can't wait here any longer. I have to go and I have to go open my store. And he handed him the money for the ticket. Enough to, enough to buy his ticket to London. And after he bought his ticket and they said goodbye to their friends, the next thing that happens is all their, these, these friends that had come started just lavishing these gifts upon them that allowed them to be able to make it all the way to Africa. And he said that the Lord had to lead me through that test of being able to stand there in that line and fight off the thoughts of the enemy And past this little moment of faith before all those blessings could come. What blessings are you not experiencing? Because you're not ready to go stand in the line and trust God. Friends, this is what prayer brings into our life. As we learn to step in and step into a slower pace. Now, if you look at George Mueller's life, there seems to be nothing slow about George Mueller. He was in a hurry to get to Quebec, correct? And was convinced that either this ship's going to get me there or some, God's going to provide some other way. But I've never missed an appointment in 57 years. I know who my God is and he will prevail. And the fog cleared. What opportunities does God want to do in your life and my life this week? George Mueller said is the the chief passion and unifying uh, aim of Mueller's ministry. He said to live a life and lead a ministry in a way that proves God is real. God is trustworthy and God answers prayer. He built orphanage and that's, that's the way he built orphanages and how he led his Christian life. I put that before us. To live a life and lead ministries and lead the things that you do in a way that proves that God is real and God is trustworthy and God answers prayer. One of the greatest joys in life is getting to watch a hope that you have get fulfilled. And God loves to fulfill and give joy. So if you're if you're listening to this this morning, you know that there is this reality that God has when we when he begins to move and he begins to answer these things. George Mueller says, knowing God is the key to being happy in God. The more we know of God, the happier we are when we when we become a little acquainted with God, our true happiness commenced. And the more we became acquainted with him, the more truly happy we became what we make uh, What will make us so exceedingly happy is heaven. It will be the fuller knowledge of God. He has seven. He was 71 and he went uh, when he was 71. He would live another number of years, but uh, he never changed his strategy of satisfaction in God. When he was 76, he wrote uh, the same thing that he did when he was in his 60s. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. 
One morning, George Mueller woke up and the attendant from the orphanage that was in charge of the kitchen came to him and said, Mr. Mueller, we're, the cabins are bare and we're out of food and we have 300 children to feed. What should we do? He said, send everybody to the dining hall. They sat down in the dining hall and he sat down and he blessed the food and thanked him for his provision. And 300 children and the staff sat at this table with nothing to eat. And there was a knock at the door. Mr. Mueller went to the door and met the baker. Said, Mr. Mueller, the Lord woke me up. The Lord woke me up early this morning and told me I was to bake all this bread and bring it to you, that you were going to need it. Mr. Mueller brought all the bread in. Kids are eating. A few minutes later, the, there's another knock at the door. And the man who delivered milk said, Mr. Mueller, the wheel fell off of my cart outside of your orphanage. And the milk will spoil before I'm able to get this, this wheel fixed. Could you use these cans of milk? He said it was more than 10 cans of milk, just enough to feed the 300 orphans. Friends, God wants to tell those stories through you and through me. In order to do so, we have to step in and dive in to the heart of God in prayer. He loves to have his children experience the joy of what it means to literally encounter him and know him. For friends to hear stories about what's going on in your life and say, I want what she's got. Can you teach me how to pray? This is the opportunity before us this morning. I could go into, we could sit here and say, okay, what is a how-to lesson on accomplishing this look like? And uh, I would simply uh, refer to you to what Jesus said. He said, ask, seek, and knock. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But if we don't make a change and learn to slow down and invite the Spirit to lead us to imagine what God wants to do in impossible situations to fulfill joy and to create testimonies of how good our God is, then we're missing all the opportunities that we have. Boldness and humility are the perfect posture to come before Jesus. So I encourage you in your prayers this week. Don't let an hour go by that you are not looking to encounter the gospel and the goodness of who Jesus Christ is by coming to him and praying to do what the world says is impossible. And where we are unwilling to take, make a change in our life and take steps toward learning to live in a spirit of prayer, where we, where we hold on to the ways of the things of the world, where we have our minds fixed on the things of the world instead of the things of God, we'll find ourselves being stumbling blocks to, to Christ rather than building blocks that tear down the gates of hell. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to lead you in a life of prayer so that you can know who he is, so you can experience the joy that he wants you to receive in this life. And so all the world can see that he is a God that loves his people and is mighty to save. So are you willing to make some change in your life this morning? Are you willing to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you away from the busyness and, and all the mundane things that keep you away from the life of prayer? And instead, take a step and begin moving into the opportunity. This is what awaits you.
in a life of prayer. And that's why I tell the stories that we do this morning. This is what I believe is possible for you and me and even greater things, as Jesus would say. I'm going to invite Austin to come on up. And as he comes up, I want to, uh, I want to read to you a psalm that, uh, that the Lord just kind of led me to yesterday as I was praying about today. And I'm not sure who this is for. Maybe it's for all of us. But we're going to read this, and uh, after I'm done reading it, Austin's going to continue to, to pray. I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come forward. But I encourage you to, uh, to kind of have a soul-searching moment this morning. Where's your prayer life been compared to where the Lord wants you to be? And if you're not looking for change, then you don't need to be here. Because God's all about bringing change bringing life. There is so much more of what God has in store for your life than what you've lived up to to this point. And if you're ready to walk out the door and just continue the status quo, then you're wasting your time. God has more. Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called to the Lord and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his, out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow, may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are attentive to, his, to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not even one of them will be broken. Evil will say the, the wicked, the, the foes and the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants and no one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Lord, we ask you, won't you pour out your spirit? Won't you give us your spirit? You say, if we ask, you will give it. So, Lord, I, I, I ask for more than what I've had to, to, up to today. I ask that your spirit would move on hearts and lead people to the reality of the life that they can have in you. It doesn't matter where they've been or, or how... You know, mundane their tasks have been or how boring their life has been or their Christian faith has been. Lord, today can be a change. And I ask that you would stir in their hearts to lead them to the more of who you are. 
that there is more of your spirit that you want to give. There is discernment of your will and prayers and petitions that move heaven, that heaven can come to earth, that the kingdom of God may take place before us and you are glorified in your creation. So, Lord, right now, the men and women and the families represented in this room alone, I ask that you would just begin an earthquake and a movement of prayer. That the world would stand in awe and watch of how good you are because people turn to you and learn to pray. Forgive us, Father. I repent right now. Forgive us where our minds have been fixed on the things of the world instead of the things of God. Won't you lead us? by your grace into the knowledge of who you are and change our lives and change the world before us. Let your kingdom come. I just encourage you, if you need a moment to, uh, to come before the altar, to come receive prayer. Don't let this, uh, this moment pass by.